morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, whenever and wherever you're listening to this. It's Stuart Watson and we're here for the latest episode of the Kings of Anglia podcast. I'm joined by the same duo that were with me at the back end of last week. To my right is Mike Bacon and just below me is Ross Halls. Gentlemen, we were all at the game on Saturday, a 1-0 win against Plymouth. That was a really enjoyable day, wasn't it? How are we all? Good. Well, I'm not too bad, thank you very much, Stu. But actually, um, I, am I to your right or to your left? I'm a bit confused. I'm, I'm, I'm to your, I'm, I'm sort of you're to my left. Yes, I'm to your right, aren't I? But you're to my left if you're looking at this on video. But if you're on audio, I suppose it doesn't really matter. Um, I'm very well, thank you, Stu. I cut the grass, <laughs> got the grass cut Saturday morning before the big game at, against Plymouth, which was a delight. And I um, always like to get the grass cut. Don't know about you guys, but I think it's a very important part of the summer's here type thing. Plots going forward and all that sort of thing. Um, so yes, I'm very good and uh, very briefly thoroughly enjoyed Saturday afternoon. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Let's we'll talk a little bit about it in a minute, but um, yeah, what a fan! I thought it was fantastic, fantastic day. I mean, if you went for the whole, yeah, it's like a day, it was a day out for some people, a real full day out. If you got there at 12 o'clock for the QA or 12 30 and you still watch the England game at seven o'clock in the evening, gosh, I mean, there must have been lots of people who did that. What a, what a great day out. Ross, have you cut your grass? I don't have a garden, so I oh. can't do that. Sad times. Oh. Okay. Have you uh <laughs> have you tidied your bedroom? Uh no. Just didn't need to. Yes. Didn't need to. Okay, okay yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A couple of observations on that day out thing, Mike, that you've just mentioned. Um, first one is Alan Alan Brazil. Fair play. He he had his sunglasses on. If you'd followed Ray Parler's Twitter account, you'll know that Alan Brazil uh, had been having a few beers, um, as he's been known to do with Mr. Ray Parler, just a few hours before um, turning up at Portman Road uh, on Saturday. I'd had a, had a heavy night, but um, well-versed in that, I think, is uh, is Alan. So uh, I didn't get to see the Q&A, but it was him, Walkie, uh, Russell Osman beforehand in, in that tent at the back of the fan zone. So I'm sure everybody really enjoyed that. Second observation, and you mentioned the England game afterwards. Fantastic to have that big screen in the fan zone, which before the game showed some Mariner memories, which we'll get on onto in a minute, and um, put Kieran McKenna's pre-match video up. And that was, that was a really good little package that, that was going on there. But that was too loud. It was so loud that you could it interrupted the post-match press conferences with the managers. We couldn't hear it over the top of the Swiss national anthem that Stephen Schumacher had to stop. Um, that was, yeah, ear-splittingly ear loud, that that big screen. But um, that that was a nice addition, wasn't it? it was, um, that fan zone was, was something to behold before the game in the sunshine. That's absolutely... I mean, I, I just, you know, it was fantastic Ipswich won as well, and we'll talk about that. But People pay their money to be entertained. They, 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 they. You know, it's it's a it's a big day out for people. It's a day out to go and watch the football. And the little extras that were put on on Saturday, well, they weren't little extras. They're more than little extras. Well, I think credit to the club. There's clearly a bit more money floating about to be able to do this type of thing, which is just fantastic. That's what people people have gone away on Saturday, haven't had a really good time. Yes, the result was obviously key. 
but there was a heck of a lot that went on that day on Saturday, and I and I take my hat off because yeah, to, to people, I thought the, the big scream was great, and quite frankly, it couldn't have been loud enough as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. The more noise, the better. And if you don't hear them all talking in the press conference after, then you don't hear them because I like to have lots of noise, lots of beer flowing, lots of cheering, English national anthems, Swiss national. I don't care how many national anthems, fantastic. But no, I thought it was absolutely terrific, and. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see that. Is it, could you do that type of thing? Benty, Darren Bent was there, wasn't he? Darren Bent signed autographs. It turned out a bit late, apparently. So someone told me. I don't know if that's true or not. But anyway, it didn't I matter. think in, in Darren's defence, I think there was a few problems on the A12 heading north. Ah. Um, but there apologies, was a, there was a... apologies then, Darren. There was a, few, <laughs> a, few, a few car issues. But anyway, neither here nor there. When he did get there, there was a queue as... As, as almost as long as the hot dog stand outside uh, the, the Kevin Beatty statue area there. There's a huge queue to see um, to see uh, to see Darren. Great, he was there signing autographs. How lovely is that? So you've got legends like Brazil and Walk and um, Osman, and then you've got more, you know, uh, more recent top men like Darren Bent there. I mean, just wonderful. Great. Very pleased. And, of course, we won, which was even better. Yeah. Thoughts on, on the day, Ross? There was a seat, blue shirts everywhere. That's another thing that struck me. There was... Um... You can see how many kits they've sold this year. It was a sea of blue when I looked out across that fan zone and we had the flags again, didn't we, in in, uh, in the stadium. A lovely tribute to, to Paul Mariner with the, the Blue Action Boys um, doing a great job, at, as usual, with with um, with some of the banners and, and whatnot. What did you make of it as a day as a whole before we get onto the game? Of course, you know, football makes it better when it's sunshine, you know, early spring sunshine. And yeah, as you said, you know, a lot of People with their blue shirts, it's just town shirts about, you know, not just, you know, young kids, everybody wearing it. And, um, you know, it's the new generation, you know, come to watch. There'll be a few maybe going to their first ever game and to, to enjoy the atmosphere before the game. Um, I did enjoy my, myself. It was a, a very nice day in the sunshine. I had my, my standard sausage roll and a little cheated cup of tea before the game. Um, you know, meet, met up with a few people I know, of course, from the KOA Army and just other fans and listeners of the podcast. They always come and say hello. Um, but no, it was a, a good day all around. Of course, it, it makes it better when it is, you know, all sunny and shining. But props to the to the club, you know, making the fan zone what it is because there were so many activities going on, so many places for them to eat, drink, enjoy their day before the big event on the pitch. And um, yeah, I love the tribute to Paul Mariner. And uh, yeah, I think it was just a, a lovely day all around. And of course, the, the big thing is we won the game. So that makes it a good day all around. Yeah, let's get on onto the game, shall we? A 1-0 win against Plymouth, who, for context, came into this game on a six-game win streak. They hadn't conceded a single goal in that time. Fourth place in the table, Plymouth. And Ipswich were more than deserved 1-0 winners. It was, it was apart from maybe one little nervy moment at the end, that was so comfortable, wasn't it? It should have been put to bed long, long before... Those last couple of minutes where the goalkeeper trotted up twice. Um, what what did you make of it? Well, I think I think you made a good point in your um, 104 observations, Stu, that you did um, for, on online um, Sunday morning, which I just always, the seven I always, this week. Just the seven, but I always I don't mind. I, I, I the more the merrier, as far as I'm concerned. I enjoy your observations. I always find very there's a little bit of thought goes. It's, you obviously clearly don't go straight out on on the razzle on Saturday night. You put a, a, quite a lot of into this. I'm very impressed. Uh, and you made the good point about the uh, good time to play Plymouth. Um, obviously with injuries and and international call-ups and stuff. And I think it was a good time to play Plymouth, but play them we did and play them off the park we did. And anybody, I heard one or two people sort of say, well, what, you only won one nil. How could you play them? Well, you had to be there because Ipswich did play them off the park. I, I can't even remember. I, I didn't feel at any stage 
even at, even though it was one nil, I really still didn't ever feel Plymouth were going to score. I mean, I don't perhaps that's overconfidence, and I know Oxford obviously mm. perhaps that's a similar feeling. But I mean, this on Saturday, okay, the goalie's up for a couple of corners at the end or whatever, but I still didn't. I thought it was a really really good for the first half, particularly. I thoroughly enjoyed. There's a lot of free flowing football. Um, I mean, Morsey was just outstanding. As as the game went on, he just 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 got better and better. Um, I, I I thought it was, it was a one it was a a one, I mean, one nil, one nil thrashing, a yeah, bit like what they call the '78 Cup final. I mean, it wasn't quite that. It wasn't the post being hit, post and woodwork being hit every few minutes, was it? But I thought, bar the first sort of five ten minutes where it was pretty even, and you could see Plymouth were were a decent football side, it's which increasingly got on top, got on top. The goal was coming, and when it did arrive, it only looked to be one one a winner from there. Um, but yet. We found ourselves going into the last few minutes at 1-0 and you start to think, well, oh, is this going to be Oxford again? How were your nerves, Ross, going into those final few minutes? You get that horrible feeling when you see the goalkeeper go up, not just once, but twice. Um, I thought it was a bit risky, really, for Plymouth. Like, Did he go up in like the 88th minute? It's like, well, it's a bit early there. It's gone, gone too soon. And then, of course, he goes up again for the second time and you just go, come on, town, please don't do this. Um, but thankfully, there was no late heartbreak and uh, we're able to, you know, f- finish the game with the three points. Um, I think a lot of people will say, you know, Plymouth, yeah, they're missing key players. You know, international duty were injured. You know, Conor Grant didn't play. Their defender got came off injured early on. But you can't take away how good we played. Um, Plymouth had no shots on target. We created loads. We took, you know, we took our chances, but we didn't score all of them. Um, but yeah. But as Mike said, you know, Morsey's goal, well-worked goal. Um, and that's what you like to see. Um, I just wish we scored maybe one one or two more just to settle the nerves a little bit. But thankfully, Plymouth couldn't find the net. And um, yeah, it was uh, it was a bit nervy at the end. But thankfully, we're able to come away with all three points. Yeah, Sam Morsey, the captain afterwards, said that we, we ran all over them. And I think that's a pretty good description of it, uh, watching yeah. back. The highlights since the amount of times that Ipswich worked really good opportunities and there wasn't necessarily chances at the end of them but they got into so many dangerous positions time and time again we're seeing these patterns of play that Kieran McKenna is clearly drilling into the players on on the training pitch coming off um, quite a lot it happens down down the right with Wes Burns playing as the the highest placed right wing back I think in the history of football he's basically playing as a, a right-sided striker isn't he and um and even though he wasn't involved in in the goal it was one of those patterns of play that that's coming off Selena with a sumptuous ball over the top just over the halfway line puts a little bit of backspin on it if you look back at that no follow through on his on his kick the ball just stops lovely for Norwood who shows great strength and composure to hold off the defender and, and pick out Sam Morsi. And, and there he is arriving, edge of the six-yard box, John Walk-esque, dare I say, to uh, to just pass the ball into the net. And um, we'll come on to million-pound picks in a bit. But and, Andy saw this a few weeks ago that we've got to start backing Sammy Morsi every game. And uh, that's his that's his second goal. And um, thank, thankfully that that was enough. But um, there could have been there could have been more, couldn't there, Mike? Yeah, I mean it's it was. Um... There was you're right about patterns of play. The patterns of play appear to be, you know, get to the byline, 
that's what seems to be a lot of the play. Let's work it to the byline, pull it back. Because once you pull it back, defenders are in a pickle. They're all over the place. Is it going back? Is it going across? Is it, you know, and this and that's how the goal came. Norwood, great strength. I mean, fair play to James Norwood. I thought he had a good game. You know, he hasn't hasn't been there or thereabouts much the last few weeks. Comes in, does a real job. And this is the squad system that McKenna is introducing at this team. You see, you're not you're not a guaranteed starter every week. A lot of, you know. Well, I mean, a few are at the moment, but, it, it, you know, he's going to pick what he picks. And, um, yeah, I mean, Wes Burns flashed a couple across the box. And, you know, I mean, someone like Gary Lineker. Do you remember Gary Lineker? Well, of course you do. He's on match of day. You don't remember Jimmy Greaves, though, do you? But, I mean, Jimmy Greaves, someone like Lineker or Greaves, six-yard poachers, six-yard box poachers that had a trick on Saturday easily, you know. And that's probably the only thing. And I think McKen actually said it, didn't he, Stu, afterwards, that he's just been, he'd have probably been a bit greedy, he'd liked another goal or two. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can think of a couple of moments. I think there was one in the second half where where Morsi, who who was excellent, went bursting through the middle and just just delayed his pass when he had men either side. And Burns, a couple of times, flashed crosses through that maybe could have maybe could have picked someone out. I mean, Morsi was was livid a couple of times. He said in his post match, "I got I, you know I could have had a couple of more goals because I got into some good positions and people didn't pick me out." So they're working really good positions. They just need to add that that clinical edge because. Um, bar four nil at Gillingham and three nil against Burton, Ipswich haven't turned some of this dominance into into real sort of dominant victories, have they? So, is that a concern to you, Ross? That they just haven't haven't been sort of ruthless enough to 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 finish these games off a little bit earlier? Yeah, or well, McKenna did come out, didn't he, a couple of weeks ago, saying there's going to be a smashing at some point. Probably quoting him wrong there. I'm sure he used a better word than that. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, it, it it can be definitely. If, well, big thing is we beat a top six side. I'm sure that's going to come up in a, in, a, in a second anyway. But I think that's another thing when you play these sort of teams, just like Oxford, we're one 0 up, and you're like thinking, mm, you know, that isn't it's not concrete. You know, there. Uh, thankfully, we're able to defend well, and that, that's you know main thing of this squad. You know, how many clean sheets has been now? It's eleven clean sheets, something like that. Um, 12, 12 and 17 under McKenna. Yeah, That's remarkable, isn't it? Six straight clean sheets at, at Portman Road. I have to keep reading that back to myself. That's mm. um, an amazing statistic. Yeah. And uh, of course, you know, Norwood was starting. Um, maybe a surprise for some people. Some people probably thought Bomb, Bomb was going to start because of what he did at Oxford. Um, and there's a few times where Norwood, I thought, oh, he should have scored from there. There's a few, you know, miss play shots and I was like, oh, he should have scored from there. And of course, the, the second half, Wes Burns, you know, where he could have maybe squared it to Bon and it had been a tapping for him. Um, but it's not too concerning, but it's also like, mm, it'd be nice just to get that second goal, just to calm the nerves a little bit for town fans. We've been here before where we've seen late drama, late heartbreak. Um, but yeah, that's one thing we're missing in this squad. I know there's an article on our website from the North Standard saying, if we had opponent striker, you know, everything would be all rosy and everything. So that's, that's the dream in the summer, having a, a goal scorer score goals. But uh, thankfully, our, our defence is keeping us, you know, all three points. This felt like a, a victory born out of a really good team performance. So maybe this is a little bit of an un, unfair question, but I'll, I'll ask you for a man of the match because I think everybody will pick somebody different, possibly, from that the, were there at the game. There's certainly several candidates. Who, who was it for you guys? Mike, I'll start with you. Well, I mean, I must confess. I mean, I, I know it's, it's sort of really rather obvious of Sam Morsey, but I mean, I can't, I can't look any further because, you know, he was just. There's an interesting relationship, isn't there? Developed between Morsey and McKenna, 
I'm quite intrigued by this. And I think this goes back to the Manchester United days with McKenna. Now, if you go back to Manchester United days with McKenna, and when you say McKenna, you say Solskjaer, because that's really who he worked under um, at Man U. And of course, Solskjaer, you go back and you go back Alex Ferguson, because that's who Ferguson was a big influence probably on Solskjaer. And captains and management's uh, uh, you know, relationships are massive, were massive at Manchester United, particularly Roy Keane and Alex Ferguson. I mean, that was a very strong, I know it fell out in the end, but was a, when United were very, very successful, Ferguson relied on Keane basically to keep things in order. Now, I'm flipping at four quite a few years and I'm thinking that McKenna's has changed Morsey slightly since he's taken over. And he, and there's pictures of them with his arm, there's a picture on his arm around him halfway through the game, as if you need to tell Sam Morsey too much, but it's just, he's my general. He's my general on that pitch. And I want him to be, you know, and I, I, so apart from Morsey's performance, which I thought was was excellent, there were lots of good performances. You asked for a man of the match. There's my man of the match. I just think there's something going on with mm. Morsey and McKenna. I think it's a good relationship to develop. And then I think it's very, very positive for both, very much for McKenna, because Morsey's clearly a, a player who's going to say it as it is and keep yeah. players in track. I mean, he went berserk at Wolford and Burge, a couple, well, a couple of two or three players in a couple of situations on Saturday. Um, so he's clearly got the, you know, the respect of the players. He's the captain. And I like I like his his positioning with McKenna. I think he's good for McKenna. So, yeah, man of the match on Saturday was for me was Morsey. Yeah. It's interesting what you say about um, having those sort of that lieutenant, that general. I'm always minded, reminded of, of Graham Souness once was asked about sort of the great Liverpool managers of, of that era. And he said, you know, great managers, yes, but players drive standards. Player, you know, players, great teams, the players are, are almost self-managed themselves, or you yeah. certainly have players that that drive that. And um, Sam Morsey looks like one of those. You, I mentioned him sort of uh, berating his teammates for not picking him out in the box in the first sort of 10 minutes where it was a, a little bit more even. He smashed into a couple of tackles that really set the tone. And a couple of those was because teammates left passes a little bit short or didn't deal with situations and he turned and let them know straight away. And and that just kind of permeates throughout, not just teammates, but the, the crowd as well. So I, I'd agree with you, um, Sam Morsey, you know, would be my man of the match. But there are others. I mean, Ross, if we take Sam Morsey out of it, who else would you give a shout to from, from Saturday? Uh, you know, Luke Wolford, you know, is in a form of his life. You know, he, he stepped in and made some good, you know, he's, he's just calm and he, and assured, you know, he's as I said, he's in the form of his life. He had a good game. I think, of course, the back three, well, and of course, made a few. I actually didn't make any save because he didn't have a shot on trial at Plymouth. Um, you know, Burge has been fantastic since coming in for, for Emerson. Janoy does what Janoy does best, consistent and does the job. Um, Burge and Selena, I just love watching him play. You know, there's a few times where he, he made a few Plymouth players and just he had a good game. Sonia Luco. What a man, you know, he was in class at the moment. Um even Dominic Thompson had a had a good game. Um Tori Backerson is he, improving game by game. I'm naming every player now. I know you've, gone through, one you've gone through the whole team, Ross. I mean, you've gone through the whole team. I mean, that's remarkable, really, to remember the team <laughs> sheet just like that and go for every one of them. But you're but fair fair play to you though, Roscoe. You're absolutely right, probably in what you're saying. Yeah, um, I, I can't pick one. I think the obvious one is Morsey because he got the match-winning goal and he had a, a fantastic game all around. You know, Tommy's run well and, as you said, just passed the ball into the net. But um, as you said earlier, Stu, you know, it was a team performance. Everyone played their part. Um, even the subs when they came on, um, they did all right. Um, and I think a lot of people have picked up 
McKenna only made two subs. Normally he has made three subs, but um, we just didn't need that. You know, Chaplin came on. Um, of course, Bond came on, um, did their job. I think the only thing I'm worried about is that we're just set pieces. We're just, I don't know, it's, it's annoying me a little bit. We've got Burgess there who could come in, you know, and Norwood in the box, even Bond in the second half. I think that's one thing we're lacking as well, which is our set pieces. If we can score from a set piece, I'll be very happy. I agree. When's it feels like a long, long time since it's which scored one, or certainly have looked at a regular threat from from set pieces. And yeah, Bird Burgess, you mentioned there. Um, I'm going to give him a little shout out because I was a bit concerned when George Edmondson got injured for for the remainder of the season, and I had flashbacks to to Barrow away where Cameron Burgess looked all at sea and. There were times where he was getting caught 40 yards up the pitch and looked a bit sluggish on the turn and all at sea, but he's slotted in superbly the last three games. He, he looks far more comfortable on the left side of that back three, which is what he did for Accrington before. And it's just another example of how McKenna has, gets the best out of, of individuals. I think he, I thought he was uh, a couple of times he played some sort of long balls over the top that just drifted away. But in terms of his defending, didn't put a foot wrong. I thought he was rock solid. So I'll, I'll give him a I'll give him a little mention because I think uh, he's had to really bide his time and um and but he's been ready. He could have let his head drop and um but in he comes just like Luke Wolfenden um uh, comes in and has taken his chance at the moment and uh, so yeah a, a, a real team effort on Saturday a big win and as Ross said the first win of the season against the team currently in the top seven uh, in the top seven yeah so like Wickham are eighth which uh, obviously Ipswich had done the double over those but that was the first win against the team team in the top seven of the table so um, unfortunately all it's done is move Ipswich one point closer to the playoffs because Sheffield Wednesday came from behind. They conceded a very early goal against Cheltenham, Cheltenham but came from behind to win 4-1. Nobody else uh, in those sort of higher reaches played because of international week. So one point closer, Ipswich moved five points off with six to play for Ipswich. Um, Oxford, Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland and Wickham, the four teams immediately above, all have a game in hand. Portsmouth, one place behind, have two games in hand. How are we feeling about this? I think we, last week, a couple of weeks, we've been saying, I think after the Portsmouth and Oxford jaws, no, that's it, too much to do now. But they just pull you back in again, don't they? With a win like that on, on Saturday. Is there still a chance? Of course there is. Of course there's still a chance. Six straight wins, 18 points. Bang. Thank you very much. We're in there. Once we're in there, we'll win it. So, yes, of course there's a chance. Oh, gosh. I don't know. They play like they they were so good in that first half against Plymouth. You know, I, I watched them play and I think, how how do you lose at Cheltenham? How did this team draw at home to Wimbledon? How did they, all these horrible early season results? And, you know... Uh, the thing is, it that, wasn't this team though, was it? There well, was no Morsi then, there was no Walton then. That was that was no, a different time. I think if you go back to those, I mean, it's a Cheltenham or the Burton game that you had, Louis Barry and Amando Dobra were starting those games. Mm. Um very different from that time to then. I tell you what it makes me think more about. I know we keep going back to that first month, which obviously set the tone and, and left Ipswich chasing their tail. And I saw Mike Turbot, um, regular member of the, the uh, Kings of Anglia podcast, say to Ross that it just makes Oxford hurt that little bit more now. And also I think back to Portsmouth, McCauley Bond getting a, 
a bona fide goal disallowed at the end there. And I think back to battering Morecambe and Cheltenham only a few weeks ago and only getting a draw, you just think, oh, what if, you know, if just one or two of those results had gone the deserved way? Because they've left a couple of, they've left a few points out there, really. If you go back through as good as McKenna's record's been, you could probably find a few more points in there, deservedly, couldn't you? I think probably the Gillingham 1-0 home game is the only game that I think Ipswich maybe got some points that they didn't deserve. But the rest of them, there's a lot more examples of games that you come away thinking that they deserved more from, from that game. So I I just wonder if we're going to be left with with some what-ifs looking back at, at some of these games, especially, uh, I mean, Oxford last weekend makes it, makes it all that little bit more of a killer, doesn't it? Well, I said that the season was dead in December, so um, <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like I was, I did feel like an idiot for a while because of McKenna's great start, but there's a few bit has been a few hiccups along the road, you know, unfortunate hiccups. You know, that you said the draws against Chatham and Morecambe, like we came out of those and go, how didn't we win that game? Definitely a Chatham game. We just like think, how didn't we score against them? Um, but yeah, we keep we keep winning, keep playing well, and. It will be a what if. What if we beat that team? What if we beat that team? Um, and Andy said it already. It is just too much traffic, you know, in front of us. You know, we can't rely on these teams above us. I know we've got to play. Um, is that Wigan and, and Rotherham still? Um, we just can't rely on Sheffield Wednesday to lose games. Oxford, you know, Sunderland are up above us. Wickham, Portsmouth have got two games in hand. It's just too much traffic. Um, Anyone will keep hope until it is, yeah, we can't do it when the fat lady does sing. Um, but a lot of positivity because we're playing such, such good football. I'll run you through the last six games for Ipswich now. It's Cambridge United at home this coming Saturday. Shrewsbury away the following weekend. Shrewsbury, you, you, Shrewsbury have uh, gone three straight wins, including a 3-0 win at Rotherham recently, by the way. Then it's Rotherham away, which looked like a really daunting task, but they're stuttering a little bit. One win in five. Um, that's on the the Saturday of the Easter weekend. Then it's Wigan, Wigan at home. Um, that game got moved to the Tuesday night after Easter. Thank you, Sky. Um, crew away, Saturday the 23rd. They're bottom. And then a home game against Charlton to finish. So... I'll refer back to sports club stats, who we've used quite a lot, and we Very use good. quite a lot. They give you these little percentage chances, which I think give a, a decent indicator. They they simulate the games hundreds of thousands of times over. So six wins out of six gives Ipswich a 94% chance of finishing in the top six. So you're right, six wins and Ipswich are, are virtually guaranteed to be in there, I, I would say. But then it starts to drop. Five wins, one draw, and a single defeat is 63%. Five wins, zero draws, and one defeat drops to 40%. Then if we get to four wins and two draws, 21%. Um, four win, one draw, one defeat goes right down to 9%. And then anything less than that is it's not worth talking about. So that shows you the margin of error. It, it, it needs to be five wins minimum, probably six. It's a near-perfect finish required. But having read those six games out to you and knowing how Ipswich are playing, can can you convince yourself that there's five to six wins in there? Mike, you, you said earlier that 
Yes. Do, do you genuinely believe that? Is that how positive you're feeling at the moment? I, I, the, the, one, the one thing Ipswich got in their favour is they're starting to hit some really good form and they're playing very well. And if they continue to play the way they played, particularly first half against Plymouth and against Oxford, they will pick up wins. They might not win teams three or four nil, but they're going to pick up one nil wins. Are they going to pick up six wins? I, as much as my, I am always the man with the optimistic head on, um, but obviously I, um, I think that's being rather over optimistic. Perhaps I can see them picking up three or four wins, but as you said, that's going down to ten or twelve percent. That's probably the problem. We're, we're just—I have a horrible feeling we're just going to finish shy, which is a shame. But. Um, the way the team are playing. The only thing that slightly concerns me is are we going to win some of these away games? Like uh, 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 Shrewsbury is, is the classic one. Shrewsbury mm. is, is, is a classic banana skin. You know, you beat Cam- if you could beat Cam John on Saturday you'll go, and then you'll go to Shrewsbury and draw and you literally can't afford that. So, oh, I hate saying it, but yes, I, I do still think we're going to finish up short, which is such a shame. But uh, yeah, I can see us getting two, three or four more wins, but that won't be. The big thing for me is if there was a striker that was getting into something resembling a bit of red hot form, then you can start to believe, but just haven't been able to to get that finishing touch. Mm. And I think in some ways, fine tuning that top end of the pitch is is it easier than than sorting out the, the other end? I'd rather have that solid base, all of these clean sheets. How often do we talk about sort of Goals and strikers win matches, but defences win win titles. And um, that's what gives me the, the greatest kind of optimism for next year. It pains me to talk about next year because it's always next year, isn't it? And now we're going to be going into year four of, of League One football. And we've been here before where we've convinced ourselves that next year is, I think the club have used our time as their their promo for the, for the season tickets. But... It does feel like there's substance this time, doesn't there, with the ownership, with the manager. And and you can see it just with going right back to the start of this podcast, the attendances, 23 plus thousand, I think nine games in a row where we've had 20 plus thousand crowds. You can't fool people. No amount of what we say, what everyone else says or whatever, people come, they watch it with their own eyes. They don't like it. They fade away. And that's what had been happening Drip, drip, drip over a number of years. We, you know, it felt we talked to each other in that press room. We were gazing out across that fan zone, and that sort of death by a thousand cuts end of championship era with crowds of sixteen thousand, where the games just all blended into one, and it just felt like those that were coming were coming out of a sense of duty. It was almost becoming a bit of a chore, and that's backed up anecdotally by speaking to to so many fans and and people are coming with a sense of anticipation and excitement and what we're going to see today. And um, that's great, isn't it? It is indeed. Cause I know there's a, a few fans who are coming again for the first time after many years of not going because they were just sick and tired of the football, not enjoying themselves being an Ipswich town fan. But now they're just loving it. They're just loving the football. They're loving the day, the atmosphere. Um, and they're entertained. I think, as, as Mike said earlier, you just want to be entertained when you come to football. Um, you know, the add-on stuff in the fan zone and just, you know, you go and meet up with friends, have a few beers, have, have a burger, pre-match pie, whatever. You come and sit down, watch the game and enjoy it. And that's what we're getting. Um, 
and yeah, unfortunately, we are going to be talking about next season because that is next season. Sorry to say, folks. Um, hopefully, I'm wrong. But uh, yeah, it's too much to do. Um, but just so much positivity. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get uh, crowds are going to be. It's going to be amazing next year. That that stadium is going to be full every week, um, and it's just it's an exciting time to support Ipswich Town Football Club. Yeah, season tickets were announced on Friday, late Friday afternoon before the Plymouth game. Uh, prices for which have been frozen, which I think is um, more than fair in the current climate of, of prices rising for everything, where gas and fuel and electricity is all, all rocketing. Um, a frozen ticket price, I think, is, is a really good offer from, from Ipswich Town, especially the money they're sort of ploughing into it at the moment to, to improve things. I'm told that the current season ticket numbers, including the half season tickets sold, is about 13,800. So they can really add on top of that, can't they? And if you get that that higher, you know, we could be talking about sort of close to to properly packing out Portman Road with its capacity of, of close to 30,000 next season. Um they should sell like hotcakes, shouldn't they, Mike? In, in, given everything we're discussing, yeah, they should do this. There's no, you know, people people like entertainment and people like success will follow success. And I think Ipswich Town, whatever happens next season, will have a successful season. Um, it'd be lovely if they're in the championship; that'd be fun. But if they're in League One, if we're still in League One, they're going to have a successful season next year. I've got no doubt about that. So you're buying, you're buying for success, aren't you? That's what you're buying. You're going to be. It's, it's a great opportunity to sell a lot of season tickets, keep them frozen. I mean, you know, you look at the petrol prices, Stu. You've seen the price of petrol. I've taken mm-hmm. photographs of my garage up the road. You know, has the price come down? Well, it has come down a little bit. I went down into Ipswich and took a few more photographs. They're not coming down, are they, Ross? Oh, well, you don't drive, do you? So I don't matter you. But I mean, you just take it. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. But no, yeah, season tickets. They're going to go really well. I'll be absolutely stunned if they don't. I mean, like you say, if you were there, I mean, there was 20 or plus thousand there, 22,000 plus on Saturday. I mean, they, you know, I know there's a good contingent from Plymouth, but most are obviously 20 plus thousand Ipswich fans must have enjoyed themselves on Saturday. Want a bit more of that every week next season. Um, yeah, they'll go well. I always think about Pester Power with, with, with I take, try and always take myself back to being a seven, eight, nine, ten year old football fan and going with my dad. And what made you want to come back? And yes, yes, winning was always great, but sometimes it was all about the little things afterwards and maybe getting some interaction with with some of your heroes and just having some heroes. And I look at the players in this team now, I mean, you would be awestruck at seeing every time Wes Burns gets the ball with his hair flowing behind him, taking off at pace down the right wing and Sam Morsey sort of all, all action dynamic. And um, you could go, you could go through them that there are players that I think are, are relatable or accessible that are exciting to watch. And those are all the things that get you when you, when you're young and, We've talked about this. Ipswich were in real danger of losing a next generation of, of football mm. fans. That you know that those uh, present company accepted that are old enough to to remember the glory years. Um, you know that got that gets passed on, and then and then another generation gets sort of the the uh, the late nineties and the early the noughties and uh, to kind of keep things ticking over. But there was a real danger of sort of fifteen years of nothingness mm. that. That the next generation go, dad or mum or whoever, I don't really want to go. I don't enjoy it. Can can we do something else on a Saturday? Or loads of my mates at school support West Ham, and that's only down the road now on 
on the train by Stratford or or, or whatever. So um, I'm just really pleased that there's something to kind of enthuse this this next generation of supporters now. Well, I think also, Stu, the choice of, of McKenna as a manager has been an absolute masterstroke. I mean, I think this is, for the first time um, in many years, we, we talk about McKenna, but McKenna's not, he's not the main man. I don't mean that disrespect. He's not the talking point every week. We talk about, you just said it, Wes Burns flying out of the wing, Mel Morsey in the middle, Wolfen and Cool at the back. We're talking about the players again. Through two, through some of the managers we've had over the last half a dozen, we spent all the time talking about the bloody managers and what they said and the V signs they gave to the fans and the and the stuff and the you know Paul, the, Paul Lambert fighting on the touchline and Paul uh, Cook it was all about the managers. Man. Yeah, yeah, it's all about it's, it was all about the managers for far too long. And McKenna with his calm and he's a young he's a young man. He's quite calm and composed, and he just he's just not getting into all that. It's about he's just going to coach his team. And excite you want excite the fans through his team. His talking has done through his team, and I think I'm talking about McKenna now. I say we don't talk about the match as much as I am, mm. but I'm, but but joking. But we don't spend all our time talking about him. You know, it's about the team, and and yeah, that's a very that's a very big positive going forward. Mm. Here's something I keep hearing um, already: is oh, someone's going to come in for McKenna soon. We're not going to be able to keep him very long. What's your take on that, Ross? Hmm. Yeah, I've heard it a few times myself, and it can be true because it can happen. There's, there's some managers. I think one one big one is Russell Martin. He, he's gone. He went to Swansea. He had a, a fantastic. Was it just one season at Milton Keynes? Wasn't long, was it? Wasn't long at all. And I think, of course, he's different. Different, really, because McKenna was an United. He was just a youth coach, um, or of course, he was the assistant manager um, at Man United and stuff. But uh. I'm not concerned for the short term because I think he'll. He, he, I think he knows his project here, and I think he's enjoying his project, and I think he knows how big of a club it's town is. Um, so I think he's here definitely for next year, and we'll see how we get on. If we have an unbelievable team, we get promoted. You just never know. There could be another team thinking, "We like this guy," mm. and they come in for him. But I think at the moment, don't be concerned. I think we're, he's here to stay, um, and then just enjoy him. Well, while we can, um, but I think he's he's here to stay for the time being. I have to say, it doesn't bother me at all because I think he's chosen Ipswich Town very, very carefully. This was a man that knows that, you know, he had a very, a very, a very, very good job at Manchester United that was probably quite a comfortable job. Um, so he's he's thought long and hard about when and where to, to jump into this. And he's chosen Ipswich Town for a reason, because of the ownership, because of the project, because of the ambition. So at the moment, I don't think a championship club could spirit him away, even if Ipswich don't go up now. Um, maybe further down the line, he does take that step up. But great, you know, I'm all for that. Because when's the last time an Ipswich Town manager has gone on to bigger and better things? If he goes on... It will be because he's got them promoted. He's got them as a really competitive championship club again, and he's done his job and he's left them in a better place and he's he's moved on. And there's not many Ipswich Town managers that have, you know, how many how many of them have gone back into work full stop, let alone gone on to, to bigger and better things. So um, that that doesn't bother me. Does it does it worry you at all, Mike? Uh, no, not not at the moment, not in the slightest. I'd be I'd be. He looks, uh, Ken, uh, McKenna looks like he's got his head screwed on. He talks like someone who knows his thing. He's not, he's not a, 
he doesn't get over carried away. He's quite sensitive. He's got a very level head. He knows he's this is a this is a good job for him at Ipswich Town Football Club. A very good job. He really can only succeed if he gets it right. He can really only speak, be a winner. And he's got a lot to learn. He'll know he's got a lot to learn. I bet he's got really good advice from people as well. I bet he still speaks to Solskjaer. He'll still speak to Michael Carrick. He'll still, he'll still speak to a lot of people who say, just do your time, Kieran. How, how old is he? 35, 36? I can't what, you know, 35, yeah. 35. I mean, he's got, yes, there's just so long ahead of his career. And this is a great opportunity to bed yourself in. You know, we've had a, a streamload. Of, of, we've had plenty of good managers here back in the past who have, who have used Ips, not used Ipswich Town, but Ipswich Town has helped make them. You know, and this and, and Kieran's got a great chance for Town to help make him over a period of time, not just over a quick one season wonder. That's not going to that's not going to make him, you know, in, in, I think over a course of two or three seasons. Then let, he's still only be in his 30s. Then let's see where you are. Absolutely. Million pound picks. We've got to talk about that. You touched on it earlier. Well, we touched on it earlier that um, Andy's. Regular punt on Sam Morsi has, has come in. I think we decided that we all had fifty thousand pounds to play with. Um, well, I had to be fair. I had a hundred thousand, but you took fifty off me because you thought it was a silly bet. Didn't well, you? it's Which, just as well, really, why. because well, it was only Andy's bet that came in. His Morsi bet came in, but our three bets didn't. Mine um, nearly did. What was yours? Remind me. Four four one Ipswich. Five goals. I think let, your actual let, bet was five, five at least or more five goals. goals, didn't you? You're not, yeah. you're not telling. No, you're not telling me we couldn't have been four nil up at half time. Ross, could we have been four nil up at half time? Uh, yeah, to be fair. There could you go. Been. Yeah. So it was a good bet. Just didn't come off at all. Okay, so you're standing by that. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you walked into the bookies and said. We could we could have had four goals by half time. They're they're going to pay out on that logic, but um, that's gone fifty grand Ooh, down the drain. Sorry, Andy. Uh, I went for nil nil because of the amount of clean sheets being kept by both teams. Um, I would I would argue that my one was closer to to yours, but I'm I'm pleased that one didn't didn't come off. Mm. So that's gone as well. And I think Russ, did you go for just Macaulay Bond? Anytime. I went one, yeah. I went one nil. That was my score, and he was going to score the goal, but he didn't start, did he? So no. I, think that's a, I know he came on, but do, do, does that void it a little bit? Because mm. it, again, I, mm, I'm not sure this conversation's going to fly in, in the in the bookmakers. No, he, did, he didn't start, but he did come on. Does that does that void it a little bit? A little bit no, little bit. give me your money. You're not having it back. Yeah. Um, so that's 150k. Down the toilet, courtesy of Messrs. Watson, Bacon and Hall. Sorry, Andy, I've got no idea where how much the Morsi one pays out and where that where that leaves it. I'll um I'll text you and I'll I'll find out. And um maybe we can waste a little bit more of his money on fictional money on uh on Thursday. We probably were up though, because I bet Morsi I bet what's Morsi's what's Morsi's odds? That could have been three or four to one. Hmm. I reckon there'll be They'll be dropping those odds. Well, they will now. Yeah, yeah. So he's scored one goal all season. He? He's, he's hardly, he's hardly, he's hardly. Um, I'm trying to think of a goal scoring Ipswich team. He's hardly someone else. So yeah, you know, yeah. So it, yeah, you know, that, that kind like, of sums up where Ipswich are at the moment. He's hardly. Uh, I would <laughs> say Macaulay he's, Bond, he's but yeah. But anyway, so he's three. So I bet he's at least three to one to score. So that'd have been a. We'd have got all our money back just on him doing that. So I don't think we've lost any. In fact, I think. If Andy's not about at the end of the week, we should just we should spend far more of his money because I think okay. 
Well, he's off, all, he's, he's off all week. He's away. Well, of course he's he is. Of course he's off all week. He's off all week. He's on some holiday somewhere, isn't he? I expect he's probably taking his million pound picks and spending it on women and wine and song and everything else while we sit here. Oh, classic Hutchie. Yeah. He's always Quite doing right. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll reconvene later in the week to talk about to talk about Cambridge in a little bit more detail. But is there anything else from, from the weekend that you feel we, we haven't discussed? I feel like we haven't given Bursant Salinas final assist that wasn't an assist, oh. the, the the justice, the, the talk that that deserves. How good was that? I mean, he's um, he's very different to Sonia Luco. Sonia Luco is very involved in, in the game. Everything seems to come through him. and um, But Salina... He's not always as involved, but when he is, you just think he can do click of the fingers. He's going to do something special. And we've mentioned the the, the pass leading to the goal. And, and at the end, he was denied probably assisted the season, beats a couple of men with some, some footwork. I think there was a little nutmeg in there. And then a, a gorgeous outside of the boot bending pass into the path of, path of Wes Burns, who sadly just drilled his shot the wrong wrong side of the post in, in stoppage time. But... Um, there's going to be a real clamour to get to get Zanti signed up, uh, mm. be it on loan again or, or a permanent come the summer, isn't there? I think we've also forgotten to mention about the extraordinary excitement for the last kick of the game. Who was it who punted the ball towards it? Selena? Chaplin. Chaplin, was it? Wow. I mean, that was worth the... I said to Hutchie, Hutchie was sitting there, well, still, you two were still eating your um, Cadbury cream buns, whatever you had at halftime. But anyway, you just about finished them. And... It was Chaplin, wasn't it? Goldie was up. <laughs> it's completely a whack. He smashed it as hard as he can. It's going towards the north stand end. The goal, the, you know, the Sir Alf Ramsey end, and going towards the goal. And uh, and there we all are. And it's crawling, crawling, crawling. But it was never going to quite make it, was it, with the goal? That might have been the most long-range goal I've ever seen. He was a good... Huh. I mean, he was not far outside of his own box, was he, when he when he hit it? It was, it was never going to get there, but it... It provided a bit of entertainment as the ball sort of trickled and their man came racing back and he <laughs> that, would have been, with about that would have been a perfect, perfect finale to a perfect day. That would have been, wouldn't it, if that had gone in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, we'll we'll take the one there. We'll take the win. Um, it felt like a really important one, a real big step in the right direction because Ipswich had just been the the nearly men in in these bigger games, hadn't they? And it just felt as good as things had been under McKenna that that was a. That was a hurdle they needed to overcome. And I think that will give them a bit of belief going into these future games against Rotherham and Wigan that, yes, we've done it. We know we can do it. So um, we'll see. Uh, whatever happens over these next six games, uh, the future's looking bright. It was a really enjoyable game for so so many reasons on, on Saturday. Um, and I think that's pro- probably it for today, unless there's uh, any other business that you two have, uh, have got. Any business? Um, of course, we've got to plug some podcasts. And, oh, um, yes, Ross. I've got a big note in front of me that we, we talked about beforehand. Thank you. Right. You got told, you told, excuse me. You told me off for that last week. You told me <laughs> off. You said, Mike's done the outro. Oh, once again, he's forgotten to do the Manscaped thing. And I, I and when you when we were off pod, you phoned me up and you said, if you do that again, mm. you're not coming on the pod again. Do you I remember? Did, didn't I? Yeah. You had a right gurpy and I had to go back to my wife because she said to me, why are you, why are you crying? I said, well, because yeah. you just had a gurpy about Manscaped. She said, what's Manscaped? And I said, you don't want to know. I said, so anyway, you carry on. Sorry, I just thought I have to say that. Yeah, no, you're you're spot on. 
you're spot on. I've done what I told you off for not doing, and that is is plugging our sponsors, who who are Manscaped.com. You know all about Manscaped.com now. Um, did you tell did you tell your good good wife that it's it's male male grooming? Well, no, I said to, well, yes, I did. I said it's male grooming. She said, well, you need some of that. Did she? You? She said you need you've got you've got a little bit of hair behind in, in your ear. I yes. said, I have I? I did, which I didn't realize. But so, so with that, she then got one of her tweezer things and plucked it out and mm. said, get onto Manscaped. So I've got to go and get something now. Well, my six-year-old daughter just suddenly out of nowhere told me, Daddy, you've got hairs up your nose over the <laughs> well, weekend. So um, I think yeah. I, might, I think they're called the Weed Whacker, aren't they? We decided that's the, the nose trimmer. So I, I think I might have to invest in one of those. And mm. if I do... I will be using KOA at checkout to get myself a cool 20% off. So get yourself there. That's one of my better plugs, wasn't it, for Manscaped? I normally just say, yeah, go on there, do that. So manscaped.com tick. Right, I'm going to write that little tick next to it. Next on my list is Ipswich Town Women. Ross, you are our Ipswich Town Women's expert. Uh, It was a doubleheader against Plymouth this weekend, wasn't it? The men did the business, did the women. They did, um, with an extra goal to boot, a 2-0 win. Uh, goals from Eva Hubbard and Eloise King to um, get all three points and uh, cement ourselves still top of the league table. Southampton won on the weekend, so boo. Um, but no, it was a, another good day all round. Um, and yeah, it wasn't the greatest game to watch, but it was a, a nice, good three points. Job done, move on to the next one. Of course, next week, or this Sunday, is Southampton, part four. So that will be an interesting game. That could settle the league table, but uh, but no, good to see both teams winning against Plymouth. Was that that was at the Gold Star, was it? Yeah. And what was the crowd like, sort of post post the big FA Cup attendance? Now, unfortunately, because it was Mother's Day, I think a lot of people mm. probably decided, yeah, I like, I like to support the, the women's team, but also I do want to spend time with my mum. So I think that's what. So it's two hundred seventy four there, but it's not not too bad, you know, crowd wise, because it was Mother's Day and nice day. Um, all round in Suffolk, but um, hopefully Southampton, there'll be another four figures for that one because I think uh, that is another one we want to get a good crowd for. Is that at home? Is that at, is that at Phoenixstow again? Yeah. So Southampton at, at Phoenixstow this weekend? Yeah. Very, very good. How many more games have the ladies got then? Five more games. What, what, you don't go putting your hand up. We're on audio. You can't, you can't <laughs> just put your hand up with a number, you nana. What, what, do you, what was that? I didn't even know what it was. Five. Five. High and five. It's, it's Southampton this weekend. Yeah. So that's basically the title decider at home this weekend. Pretty much, I say. On, on Sunday, what time's kickoff? 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Right. We'll give a little bit of a, we'll, we'll give this some more of a plug over the course of the week, but get yourselves down to the Gold Star on Sunday. Give the, uh, give the women all of your support because as big as that FA Cup game was, this one's bigger, Ross, right? I mean, you'll go into a bit more depth in your, in your Ipswich Town women's podcast later in, in the week. Um, but yeah, for, for those that don't haven't listened to that, I'm going to give that a good plug here because that's I didn't realise that I thought that was last game of the season. But if that's this Sunday, that's huge, isn't it? That's, it's massive. Um, you know, we've played each other three times already. It's been um, one defeat, two wins. Um, of course, one of the wins were, was in the FA Cup, but we beat him in the league early in the season. But yeah, it's... We need to win this because Southampton, annoyingly, they've got a lot of games in hand. Um, so if we if we win and you know they go and win their other games at hand, then it will go to the final final probably final day. But 
it will be decided on Sunday. So if you're if you're free, the men are at home on Saturday at Cambridge. So enjoy enjoy that. But then if you're free on Sunday, come down. Fantastic. And there's one more plug on behalf of our uh, absent king, Andy Warren, and that is a fine interview that he has done with Ipswich Town defender Luke Wolfenden. Andy sat down uh, on Streamyard as we are talking now down our camera lenses to to chat about his sort of um Lazarus rise back to uh being a key man for Ipswich Town and there's a lot of chat in there about how he found life very very frustrating under uh under Paul Cook I won't uh, give too much away but um Andy's done a great job speaking to Luke over the course of about half an hour last Friday afternoon that will be available to watch to listen to uh to read as well because Andy's written that up uh so whatever platform uh suits you best have a look out for that on what will be Monday. So it'll be Tuesday morning. That'll be available for you. So uh, keep a little eye out for that one. That's a good. That's a good plug, Stu. That's really, really well done. That was. I like. Thank that. you, mate. I'm, get, I'm getting a little bit better at these ones. That's I mean, really... I don't think I don't think um, Mark's going to be worrying himself too much while he's on on his treadmill in the Caribbean at the moment, listening to these. Mark, if you're listening, and I know you are, I hope you're having a a wonderful time. I've, I'm very, very jealous looking at his pictures. Uh, I think I might have to renegotiate my wages looking at the, the <laughs> lifestyle he's living at the moment. But um, yes, Mark, we, we got, you've got us one more time this week, and then normal service I think is is resumed when Mark's back. I think he's only away for one week. Is he or has he got a fortnight? Oh, he's got he's got weeks, mate. He's absolutely weeks. I don't know when he's back. It could be. I think it's sometime sometime in June he's back or something. I don't know. He's he's he's, he's just he's just he builds them all. He's got loads of holiday. He gets a little holiday than the rest of us. He's like it's more holiday than Santa Claus. It's an right. old one. Isn't it? It's an old joke that Santa Claus. It's the only yeah. Ross yeah. Santa Claus only sort of works on Christmas Day. So he, yeah, do you get it? No, don't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. See you later, everyone. <laughs> From true crime to football, Brexit to postal. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.